Take the usual podcast hosting companies and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the podcast of Matrix hosting and you'll experience a completely different world of whole podcast library hosting. Choose wisely at podcastmatrix.com. That's podcastmatrix.com. Have you ever had the feeling of being watched? Hidden eyes following you? A cold chill crawling up your spine? The hairs on the back of your neck standing straight up? Do you know what that is? It's fear. It's fear. Fear is the most basic human emotion tied into our instinct to survive. Fear gives us the means to overcome great odds or cripple us with paralyzing dread. Dread. But fear can also entertain. Turn off all the lights, lock your closet door, and ignore the sounds from beneath your bed. It's time for Two Guys Talking Horror. Mixing genres isn't as easy as one might think. Like comedy and drama. Do you balance the two, or will your story be heavier on one side or the other? Historical romance. Well, my wife's book collection only proves that it can be done. Western and horror. Eh, Now that's an interesting combination. Sometimes we take for granted the modern-day conveniences used for fighting monsters. But what about 150 years ago? Gunslingers fighting werewolves. Native American braves battling blood-sucking vampires. Street-smart gamblers and dancehall girls running for their lives from a horde of zombies. We'll be exploring all of that and much, much more during this installment of Talk About Terrifying. Horrors of the Weird West. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, to another edition of Two Guys Talking Horror. This time, a Talk About Terrifying episode revolving around Western horror and the things that go bump in the night when you couldn't even turn on a light switch. (laughs) (laughs) Things that go bump in the candlelight. That's right. Yeah. I am one of your hosts, Nicholas J. Hearn. With me tonight, I'm very excited. Not only do I have... Jason Contini. But I also have, back again for another episode of Talk About Terrifying, I've got Sean Murphy here, also known as the lovable... Smurphy. (laughs) <laughs> from my big fat pull list podcast oh that's where i know you from yeah oh okay it, i thought i knew you from somewhere sean it's a it's, soothing voice for those of you who don't remember sean was actually a guest on our previous episode of talk about terrifying you've got your zombie in my peanut butter where we pretty much just delved into the world of zombies in pop culture and and ran the gambit about all the cool things that were out there revolving around zombies well this time he's back and we're going to be talking about horrors of the weird west but before we dive into that let's get to a little bit of housekeeping 
my big fat pull list podcast. Well, of course, our housekeeping point was going to be about my big fat pull list because we have one of the geeks from the My Big Fat Pull List podcast with us, Mr. Sean Murphy, a.k.a. Smurphy. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. It's a podcast for comic book and pop culture related things based off comics. We kind of hit a little bit on everything. Games, movies, video games, board games, anything that ties into them, even some novels that will all tie comic related culture together. So it really is more focused than on pop culture. Well, you know what? Today's day and age, like I feel like that the comic world really kind of like morphed into pop culture. That's a good point. Will. So good like point. it's kind of hard to be like, how do you have one without the other? You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. Uh, and of course, we're pretending like we don't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, Jason and I also right. are right. on my Big Fat Pull List podcast, just as our superhero guys is, which... If you don't remember what they are, we're not going to tell you. You're going to have to go over and listen. You'll have to figure it out for yourself. That's right. You'll listen to my Big Fat Pull List podcast. You can find it at mybigfatpulllistpodcast.com or you can look at the show notes of this episode and click on the link and find all of their awesome programming. Now that we've gotten all of that glad handing out of the way, let's jump right into the weird west and the horrors that lurk behind every cactus in this episode of Talk About Terrifying. <laughs> Gaming. Gaming. Board games with pieces. Deadlands by Pinnacle Entertainment. We're going to start this episode off, and this is the reason why all of us are on this this particular episode. Deadlands is an RPG game that has been around for, for a very long time, but has actually gone through different evolutions as time has gone by. Deadlands, the RPG game, is set in the late 1800s, shortly after what would have been the end of the Civil War, but only in this alternate history. The Civil War is still raging. California has suffered a massive earthquake, turning it into a series of islands. And a new mysterious element called Ghost Rock has been discovered, which propels North America into a great rail war where there's a lot of steampunk and monsters and demons and creatures. When you boil it down to its absolute roots, it's Western horror sci-fi fantasy. Mm -hmm. And that's the appeal of Deadlands because it, it literally has something from all of the genres that I personally and a lot of my friends love. Deadlands was introduced to me, ironically enough, by Jason about almost 20 years ago. Yeah. And we tried several different times to get games going. And because we were in our early 20s, Sadly, life was starting to get in the way with with fun because, you know, before you get into your 20s, it's mostly fun and then life. But then you do the flip flop into the 20s and life starts getting in the way of well, having fun. And I and I also kind of feel like I need to, to take this moment to to really kind of take some of that blame 
myself as well because I I was introduced to the game because I was a big time hardcore gamer for the Star Wars role playing game, the old Star Wars D six system. I, I, um, so I was going to clarify; these are board games, role playing games. Well, right, but like pen and paper. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so I mean, like, tabletop to like Xbox. Yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah. I just wanted to clarify. So yeah, yes. yeah. These are all tabletop so, games. That was it. So yeah, so I was I was real big into the Star Wars one, which worked off of a D6 system. So it was very easy for someone like me who is terrible at numbers and math to be able to play, you know, all you needed was six-sided die. That's it. And I was very interested in the Deadlands game, but the Deadlands game did not use any kind of a normal system that any other game used at that time. It had this very bizarre structure with the dice and then also a heavy influence of poker chips and playing cards. Hmm. And so every time Nick and I tried to do this game, I just could not get my head around the mechanics of it. It was it worse uh, than like the D20 system or was it like, it's been so long since we've okay. tried to use that system now that I, I don't really know. I just remember being at that age and not having the patience or the wherewithal to sit down and really learn it. Guys. I probably could have, but I just didn't. And so we never really quite got a, a game or a session off the ground. Now, interesting enough, Jason, your brother is a pretty extensive RPG player. As a matter of fact, he's a game master for a couple of campaigns. Yeah, he really took to it. He used to play with us when we would play the Star Wars game. Uh, I kind of got him into it and when I got to a point where I just I didn't have time to focus on it anymore and I moved on, he just never really did. And and he was somehow able to balance whatever regular life he had with gaming and he just kept going and boy, he has really the Padawan has become the master, let's say. <laughs> you know what? I've, I kind of uh, take some credit. I feel like that he might have died down a little bit. But then once we started living together, we would talk about it like every day. And then we started playing. And I feel like that that was like the gasoline to the flame. Oh, so it's your fault. So, yeah. Like, I think you gave him the first <laughs> taste, uh, you know, and got him hooked. And then it kind of maybe died down. And then we started playing like when we lived together. And I it just I've watched it just erupt from there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, he actually suggested almost, I, I would say, let's just say middle of uh, 2019. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. He suggested, hey, you know that Deadlands game you all loved but never could actually really play? What if I took that and incorporated easy to understand rule systems so that all of us can play and not have to worry about our heads exploding trying to understand all these complicated rules? And we were like, uh, yes, please. Mm -hmm. To the point to where I was even able to convince my wife, yeah. who had never played a role-playing game ever, to sit in on a session, create a character, and, and join the game. And I got to tell you, she absolutely loves it. And we have been playing, again, I want to say it's almost, it's almost been by this, by the fall of 2020. I think it'll be a year. Yeah, I think you're right. right. Yeah. That sounds and right. We played once a month. Yep. Uh, even when when COVID hit, we uh, started uh, doing all of our games on uh, Roll Twenty, so that Which we were works. all safe. Right. It, it works. It's not perfect. We, right. We but it works. The interaction in real time, but uh, but it does work. But this game allows us to just kick back, relax, and have a really good time. And boy, it is really a wonderful, cool, fun 
world to play in. Oh, your, yeah. oh, your yeah. brother does a great job as a game master. And he really as, does. And as we are as players, he does a great job of like wrangling us all in because we are like a herd of cats. He does and a great he does, job of, <laughs> yeah, of, of, of dealing, he really does. Yeah, of dealing with us and, and keeping the game moving. But at the same time, I really am impressed with how he has been able to really balance the Western with the horror. Oh, yeah. he's done a phenomenal job. The story is yeah. great. And, he, and he's doing even more of it Like yeah. lately. He's been getting even better with it. Yeah, he's trying to go darker, which is cool. And like creepier. And uh, kudos for him. And when we say a group, we're not talking about, oh, yeah, he deals with four of us. No. Uh, we were actually able to talk him into, this is a seven-person group. Yeah, yeah, it's big. Which is he big is... for role-playing games, tabletop. Right. Most of them are for like four to six. That seventh element, as a, as a game master, you're like, great. you got to figure out a way how to make it harder without making it too difficult. And yeah. he does a very good job of doing that. But because there are seven of us, we were able to come up with a very awesome title for our group. We are the Seven Deadly Saints. <laughs> Emphasis on deadly. Because we are a force to be reckoned with. So if anybody out there who enjoys just regular old pen and paper, roll and dice, RPG games, if you haven't tried Deadlands and you're a fan of Westerns and horror, this is right up your alley. But if you are familiar with Deadlands, we want to know what's your experience been with Deadlands, the RPG game. Let us know by heading over to our website at twoguystalkinghorror.com. Fill out the web form and tell us your experiences with the Weird West. Books. Books. Things you read. Gentlemen, we're uh, going to continue to stay on the Deadlands trend. Once we started playing the role-playing game, I immersed myself in the lore. And the problem is, is that since there are three, as far as I know, three different iterations of the game, the lore changes a little bit every with every new iteration. There's some stuff that contradicts newer stuff. Luckily enough, though, where the newest iteration of this game is concerned, there are actually a series of a short series of novels that were released. There are three of them. I own all three. I have only read two of those books. But I got to tell you, even if you're not playing Deadlands the game, but you're a fan of Western and horror, they are by far fun reads. Are, are the books written like, is a group of adventurers or is it just like kind of like one guy or is it like a story or how's it kind of written? Yeah, it's, a, it's a story. It's like, a, it's like a, just like a book set in the world of okay. Deadlands. Got you. I was wondering how they were crafted and how well they, they play because I as well have the novels. I have not had a chance to read any of them. I have even been able to track down, I think it's three of the four comic book one shots that were put out i want to say by image perhaps hmm. and i and again haven't had a chance to read those yet either but I, I just recently came across those i just found those maybe a month or so ago so i was wondering how the novels were structured and 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 how they read because i've been very anxious to find some time that i could set away and sit down and, and check these things out well the first one that i read 
is called uh, Ghost Walkers, written by Jonathan Mayberry. And Ghost Walkers, wow, this one, especially especially for this one being the first one that I read, this is the book that reminded me the most of our gaming sessions. Ghost Walkers, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the first one that came out too, correct? I do, yes, yes. I believe it's the first one that was released. This book has everything, including the kitchen sink. Mm. Every time I thought that they were never going to go any further with the wild and crazy, horrific things in this book, they, they, nope, they, they took it to another level. Hmm. Is it a fast read? Is it, uh, I mean, you know, cause sometimes you can read a great book and the book can be fantastic, but sometimes it's a little dense and it kind of takes a little while to kind of process what you're reading. But sometimes you read something and it, and it's just, you know, page turning. Where does the the Ghost Walkers kind of fit in that? For me, the Ghost Walkers was a page turner. I think I finished okay. this book in about four days. Oh wow! And that's it's and, not and a small book. No, no, no. It's uh, it's just under five hundred pages, but it's it's fairly large print. Okay, uh, okay. It's not. Uh, it is. It reads very fast. Very nice illustrations in it as well. Oh, all right. Story wise, you get your hero who's got a troubled past, who gets mixed up into this adventure, of course, that leads him down a road into the bowels of madness and and horror. There's love, there's danger, there's monsters, there's zombies, there's demons, there's necromancers. I mean, there is just so much in this book, I could not put it down. Definitely recommend it for all you Deadland fans out there. The second book was Boneyard, uh, written by Shannon McGuire. And if I if I got the name wrong, I'm I'm sorry. This one is extremely different. It's also a little bit shorter as well. It's a little over three hundred pages. This one is a more intimate story hmm. about a uh, a woman who works for a traveling circus. And her job is to keep track of the, well, the sideshow freaks and the oddities, which are basically monsters that uh, live in the Weird West. And she, of course, is running from a troubled past, which, of course, in, in a great book, of course, that past is going to have to come back. Well, of course. And, and haunt her and bite her in the ass. Actually, kind of literally bite her in the ass. Winter is approaching and the carnival has not made enough money to be able to survive the winter. So they, uh, they travel to this uh, out of the way location in Oregon called the clearing where they've been told that traveling performers who come through prosper very well. And that is true during the summer, but when it gets close to the winter, those traveling shows usually are never heard from again because there is something in the woods surrounding the clearing and that something is hungry. So not only do we have a great monster story and it, it was a really great monster story, but also the intimate story of our main character, our main female character and her past and the person she's trying to be now as she raises her daughter. Let me ask you this then, because this is written by someone different, even though it is set in the same world. Mm -hmm. It is a different author. 
obviously, you know, just by the way that you give us the synopsis, it sounds like you, you loved it regardless. But how does it compare, let's say, to the first one? You know, uh, <sighs> is it is it as good? Is it move as fast? Is it... And, you know, this is really more for any listeners out there that are with you. I, I have all three books. I'm going to read them regardless. But, you know, for anyone that's listening, how does it compare? It's it's hard to compare the two because Ghostwalkers is such an epic adventure, mm-hmm. whereas Boneyard slips into this just pure need for survival story. Mm. Okay. I can't say that it reads as fast as Ghostwalkers, but that's because there's so much more character development in Boneyard because you're spending time with less characters. Whereas in Ghostwalkers, the characters are larger than life because the situation that they find themselves in is larger than life. So I would say Ghostwalkers is your big action movie where Boneyard is your more horror drama. Okay, okay. Now, of course, there is a third book, uh, and that is Deadlands Thunder Moon Rising. Again, haven't read it. Plan on starting it very soon. And uh, I'll I'll leave a little review on our Facebook page so that our fans can know uh, what I think about it. Uh, but I'm I'm very excited to get to that one, too, just because of the cover. The cover of the book's got this uh, lonesome cowboy on a on a dark steed, and both of their eyes are closed. I was going to say, I thought that was the, the guy on the horse, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, ooh, okay. But if anybody out there has read either Boneyard or Ghostwalkers, we want to know your opinions about those books reach out to us on our social media accounts. We're everywhere. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Head on over there. Take a picture of uh, the book that you've read or the book that you like. Give us a review. Hell, if you didn't like it, tell us why. We want to know. <laughs> Comic book. Comic book. Pictures with words. Unfortunately, there is no comic book series based off of Deadlands, the role-playing game. But there is something almost just as good, if not better, depending on how you look at it. I want to talk about The Sixth Gun, written by Cullen Bunn and produced through Oni Press. Now, this, this comic is very similar to Deadlands, whereas it does take place shortly after the Civil War. So we're talking about the late 1800s. And there is a a very strong supernatural element in the world. And it's been there all along. We just haven't noticed it. And the story revolves around these six pistols that all have a different ability for whoever wields them. And it's said that if all six guns were ever brought together, they could bring about the end of the world. So with stakes like that, you know heroes must rise to face the villains of the West who want to bring about Armageddon. The first thing that appealed to me about this was, of course, the premise. I love the Western horror feel. I love that genre. When it's done right, it's awesome. I think the the subgenre of horror Western is one of the 
most underutilized until recently. I mean, we seem to be seeing a bit of a rise lately, but it's one of the most underutilized genres. And, you know, and I'm with you, I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't catch on to Sixth Gun when it started, because it seems like it's something right up my alley. Yeah, I, I did not jump on it early on. And by the time I decided to pull the trigger, it was already almost out the door. Uh, because it was 50 issues and uh, I started picking up the trade paperbacks, which I mean, work perfectly for me because now they look great on my shelf. Yeah. I think that's how I read the first trade was, I think I borrowed it from you. You borrowed my trade. Yeah. Yeah. The second thing that appealed to me about the book was the fact that it was written by Colin Bunn, who is a Missourian, uh, lives in uh, Springfield, Missouri. He has written a ton of different comic book series for pretty much every company out there i would think by now yeah i think so at this point yeah yeah so uh, i love the fact that uh, he is a big horror fan as well you can definitely tell his love for that genre with as much horror that is shoved in the sixth gun because it touches on just a little bit of everything there's i'm not saying that there's flat out vampires and werewolves but you get just enough of all those sub genres of monsters that you never get tired as you're reading through the book because there's nice. always something new around the corner. Now, the funny thing about this is that actually the six gun was optioned as a television series and a pilot was shot. Sadly didn't go anywhere, but there is actually a role-playing game version Oh, through pinnacle entertainment and savage worlds. No kidding. No kidding we may end up having to play the sixth gun after, uh, after you guys have had a chance to read some of the books so that you can get familiar with the world. Cause like I said, it is very similar to deadlands, but not. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to pick up the first volume. Let me ask you a question about the sixth gun. Cause I mean, I, again, I only read that first trade and that was now a couple of years ago. And, and I don't really remember everything from it. Is it, in any way connected to Cullen's current horror Western series, Shadow Roads. Actually, yes, it is. In fact, uh, Shadow Roads is the, as, as he would describe it, the spiritual sequel to the sixth gun. Okay. And I can't, I can't explain how by ruining the ending of the sixth gun. And I don't want to do that. Uh, right. Cause people need to go out and read it. I know listeners don't want me to explain this in such a vague sense, but again, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. I, I'm just going to leave it at this. If you haven't read the sixth gun guys go on out there, you can find the trade paperbacks. I'm sure if you're uh, a fan of online comics and downloading, I'm sure you can find them. There's plenty of links there. I'll put some links in the show notes for this episode to where you can find the sixth gun. If you're interested, definitely, definitely give it a shot. We're just getting started as we explore the horrors of the Weird West. Jason, Sean, and I will be back right after this. Everyone knows you'll spend at least double the time you use to create the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor. The gotta get it right factor, and well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. 
The edited core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content and are ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Do it. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. For most, Friday the 13th means Jason Voorhees. What a lot of people don't know, however, is that there was another Friday the 13th the television series. Join your podcast hosts, Mike and Nick, as they review the search for cursed antique goods during a perspective review of Friday the 13th, the series. It's the Curious Goods Podcast. Check it out now at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Welcome back to another edition of Two Guys Talking Horrors. Horrors of the Weird West. We're going to keep this train chugging right along through the wasteland filled with monsters and madmen. Television. Television. Bingeable TV shows. Sadly, in my research, I could not find a true definitive Western horror television series anywhere that that is a period piece that actually takes place in the Wild West. Yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, there was a a short-lived show at one time called The Lazarus Man with uh, Robert Urich. It was just about a a gunslinger who dies and he comes back to life and he has to try and figure out why. And I don't think the show lasted long, but the only connection to anything supernatural is the fact that he came back to life. So it's not quite right. the same thing. TV. Nope. You'll, you'll find some, you know, Western, some cowboy stuff, but nothing that's like cowboy versus like zombies or anything like that, you know? Right. Well, the, the only thing that I could really find though, is there, there is a show. Uh, I do not watch it, but there is a show called why Nona Earp on the sci-fi channel. This show is getting ready to start its fourth season. So if it's already on its fourth season, there's got to be something about it that is appealing to fans. So I decided to do a little uh, a little research. And ironically enough, Winona Earp is based off of a comic book series. Yeah. Really? I've been very curious about both the comic and the show. And, and there have been a number of times where I have thought about starting the show and watching it. And then I thought, you know, I'm, I'm already in the middle of so many other shows. I, I need to finish those first. Right. And, and this comic book series is actually kind of old 
Yeah. Because originally it was published by Image Comics in the late 90s. Yeah. And then in the early 2000s, IDW Publishing picked up the rights and every once in a while put out a new miniseries continuing the adventures of Winona Earp, who is the great, I want to say great, great, great granddaughter of the famous lawman Wyatt Earp. Hmm. And in the comic book series, she's a special agent in the U.S. Marshal Division uh, that uh, deals with monsters, deals with the evil creatures. And I find that concept very appealing, uh, even though it's modern day. Well, that's still kind of Western because of the connection and everything. Right, right. Because of that, I was like, oh, well, it's based off of a comic book. I like comic books. So I wonder how well the TV show follows the the comic book. Now, of course, I don't know. And if any of our listeners out there do, please reach out to us and let us know. I would love to know more about Winona Earp, the comic book, and Winona Earp, the TV show. But essentially, the TV show uh, is about, again, the descendant of Wyatt Earp, Winona, who returns to her small town after being gone for years and uh, is pretty much, even though nobody wants her around, she is the only hope of taking down the evils that roam the streets of purgatory. So the hmm. town's called purgatory. Interesting. I like that. I think I might be willing to, to give a couple of episodes a try. Right. I mean, who knows? It, it is sci-fi and modern sci-fi is hit or miss. Yeah, it really can be. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed Z Nation for the cheese that it was, because I think that's how they made the show. They 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 took it seriously, but they also took the cheesiness seriously as well, which I appreciated. If it's done in a similar style, maybe uh, maybe this show is for me. So since we really can't talk about Winona Earp, the TV show in our TV segment, I think what we're going to have to do is just settle for one of the greatest and longest running horror fantasy based show that has two characters that use guns. So you could call them gunslingers and they do have a fast horse, even though that horse is an Impala. I just want to say, God, I love Supernatural. They do act like cowboys, too, a little bit, you know. And you know what? As far as I'm concerned, uh, well, Western doesn't necessarily have to take place in the 1800s, in the late 1800s. A Western, you know, the, the certain ideals and, and iconic imagery that you associate with a Western can be placed anywhere as long as you understand what those themes and, and images are. So, I mean, you know, if you take movies like Hell or High Water or No Country for Old Men, yeah, they take place in modern day or some semblance of some relatively recent modern day, but they're Westerns in every sense. And I don't think Supernatural, counting it as a Western, is that far of a stretch. I mean, like you said, you do have two guys who travel the country using guns to save people from town to town. And they're kind of on their own. They're kind of loners and, you know, often off on the, the dark, lonely road at night. I mean, that, that's not any different than what you get from a Western. 
Whether you're a fan of Winona Earp or a fan of Supernatural, we want to hear from you. Head on over to our website, fill out that quick web form, and tell us your thoughts on Western horror and television. Movies. Movie pictures. West of Hell. What episode of Talk About Terrifying would be complete without a cut-the-crap movie review? I gotta tell you, Nick, I'm very excited about this cut-the-crap movie review because... Uh, I knew that we were going to be talking about this. I really wanted to watch the movie myself. I did not get a chance to sit down and watch this. So I'm very excited to hear about this one. I'm going to need you to take about 75, 80% of your excitement down, sir. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Is it bad? We shall see. For those of you who do not know how we rate a cut to the crap movie review, we Boil it down to the three basic premises of visual storytelling. The writing, the acting, and the overall production. And the overall production pretty much means the directing, the set design, stuff like that. So West of Hell was released in 2018. Uh, depending on what source you look at, uh, summer, early summer of 2018. And I'm going to assume probably direct to DVD. And the Maybe film starts... D possibly possibly uh and the film stars horror legend tony todd michael eckland jennifer laporte and the legendary lance hendrickson and the synopsis is a gunslinger a vengeful ex-slave and a runaway board a midnight train to atlanta they discover that the train is haunted by a sinister force and must fight to survive the night well, first, let me tell you, that synopsis does not do this movie justice at all. Oh? Yes, there is a gunslinger. Uh, yes, there is a vengeful ex-slave. Yes, there's kind of a runaway. And they do board a train that supposedly is headed to Atlanta. And the train is kind of haunted by a sinister force, but it's much more complicated than that. So... Just for the sake of argument, for anybody who planned on watching this film, spoilers are now in effect. The writing. Wow. This story has a lot of interesting beats, but the problem is is that there's so much crap in between the interesting beats that you kind of fall asleep and then you're, you're jerked awake by, oh, we got good again. The overall premise is Tony Todd plays an ex-slave who has decided to take vengeance on anybody who is a slave owner by brutally murdering them and their family members because while he was in captivity, his slave master murdered his daughter. Okay, all right, totally get the motivations for this character. Then the gunslinger. The gunslinger is actually a hired mercenary to bring this young female home from where she was living with her now-dead husband, back to her father in Atlanta. So, not really a runaway. Uh, that's weird. I don't know. Uh, now, of course, Tony Todd's character, Jericho Whitfield, wants to scalp the young lady, Annie Hargraves, because her father was a slave owner. 
Oh. oh. But of course, Michael Edlin's character of Roland Bursley, the mercenary. Roland, huh? Roland, yes. He he's not having it because he he wants to make five hundred bucks off this job. Right. Very tense. There's a couple of uh, side characters that are on the train with them as well. There's a a preacher that we really don't get to know very well. And then a, uh, I guess you would call a Southern lady and her free, but still working for her slave woman. Hmm. And I got to say this, the most interesting part about this movie was all of the stuff revolving around slavery. Oh, Tony Todd and uh, Gerald Prescott both play technically ex-slaves, but are still haunted by their experience as slaves. The movie came out in 2018, but damn it, if it's not relevant for the situation that we found ourselves here in 2020. Hmm. So all of the stuff that dealt with that, writing-wise, top-notch, gotta say, if I could get more of that for the movie, it probably would get a higher mark. But the rest of the story is kind of laughable and lackluster. My rating for the writing is only going to be a half star and I'm only giving it that half star because the slavery aspect was so captivating the acting. Well, this is, this is one of the reasons why I was even interested in watching this movie is because it says, Hey, look, it's got Tony Todd and Lance Hendrickson in it. That was what caught my eye. Well, Tony Todd does play a very important role. He's in it for the majority of the movie. Okay. Lance Hendrickson. I think they had him for a day. Oh, no. It's a, it's a one-scener? He is in the movie for less than five minutes. Wow. And guess who he plays? The devil. I was going to say that. I should have opened my mouth. He's the devil. Of course he is. And, and I'm like, all right, fine. Lance Hendrickson, the devil? Sure. But I want Lance Hendrickson playing the devil for a good chunk of the damn movie. Mm-hmm. I want to see him performing with Tony Todd and they get one scene that is literally maybe a minute long. Oh, of the two of them together. That's it. That's it. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Very disappointing. I can tell you this also, I kind of feel like I don't want to say that everybody was phoning it in, but I kind of feel like this production didn't have a lot of money And most of that money probably went to securing Lance Henderson for that one day and Tony Todd for all those other days, because everybody else seems to really be trying to take it seriously, but it's not really working. So if I was going to give a round of applause to anybody for their acting in this, I might give it to Tony Todd because he's he's Tony Todd. The problem is, is that one minute he's, larger than life and then the next minute he's he's really trying and acting so there was not a good balance between his performance michael eckland he did the best that he could with what he was given lance lance hendrickson sat down for the majority of his scenes he was he was seated he was seated yes so I I can't I can't say wow yes that was a brilliant performance by Lance Hendricks for all the five minutes he was in the damn movie. I can't give this movie any stars for acting. Overall production, 
So remember in the synopsis for this, I said that uh, this takes place on a midnight train to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Remember that statement I also made about how I think that they spent most of their budget on Tony Todd and Lance Hendrickson? Yeah. The movie, the, the movie shows it because we get two shots, pretty much two shots of the outside of a train engine and the coal car on a track stationary in pitch blackness. And all the only light that we're getting is from a lantern held by the conductor. Creepy, but the inside of the train is, it's two rooms with hardwood floors that were dressed up to try to pretend to be train cars. Was it like very sci-fi channel-y, if you get what I mean? I think the sci-fi channel would have at least found a train car. Wow, okay. Ooh. So that's bad. So it's like they just took a room and we're like, eh, let's play pretend. <laughs> two rooms with a door between them. And I'm sorry, I've seen enough oh. Westerns and I've seen enough trains that that train cars are not attached like that. Right. Yeah. There is a right. space that you have There's to walk space. outside and yeah. go into what, the next car. Where they link well, together is, and it's dangerous. Right. Very. Yeah. That that that's not the case here. It's just oh, two yeah. rooms. Oh and they created fake windows that had shutters down on them. So you don't have to show. Yeah. You don't have to show the outside. But even if you did, it wouldn't matter because it's the middle of the night and there's no lights outside because it's right the 1800s. Uh, and, and when you're on a train, the train has movement. Yeah, and bounces a little bit. All right. During this film, only half the time do we see the train kind of moving which I equate to someone shaking the camera lightly. <laughs> right? Oh no. Oh, it's so bad. Swaying oh. back and forth. But then the other half of the time, it's not. Oh no. Uh, you could tell that all they had was these two rooms, wherever this train engine was parked. And then like a plot of land, because most everything else is shot. Like there's a lot of flashback stuff shot outside in the dark with limited lighting to where you don't see anything else except for maybe a little bit of the ground and the actors. Yeah. That's sadly, rough. sadly, the rating for this film production wise is also going to be zero stars. Final thought. <laughs> Skip this movie. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, if I wanted to boil it down to that, yeah. Skip this movie. Don't let the fact that Tony Todd and Lance Hendrickson are in this film fool you. Unless unless you're a fan of Tony Todd and you want to see everything he's ever done, this one you can skip. Because, yeah, he's Tony Todd. And he Tony Todds it up, both in good ways and in bad ways. But other than that, this movie left me wishing that I would get the hour and a half that it is back. Because it's filled with these long... Drama- and I'm using air quotes here, dramatic pauses of close-up shots of characters looking at each other or looking off somewhere, like they're trying yeah. to decide something. And I feel like those things were added to pad the running time because you take all that out, this is an hour and 15-minute long movie at best. Oh, man. To round that up, our final review count is... One half star out of three stars for West of Hell, which is so far the lowest rating we've ever given a film during a cut the crap 
review. Oof. But that's just my opinion. Have you seen West of Hell? And I'm sorry if you have. <laughs> what did you think about it? Uh, am I wrong? Was there a brilliant picture there and I just didn't see it? I, I doubt it, but I mean, you know, I, I, tell me if you think I'm being too hard on West of Hell or tell me that I was being too easy on West of Hell. Head on over to our social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and give us your cut the crap review of West of Hell. Well, once we've cut the crap, that means our show has reached its conclusion. I want to thank everybody listening for taking this trip into the weird West with us. And I want to take a moment to, uh, to thank our special guest, Sean Murphy, also known as the lovable Smurphy for, for stopping in. Yeah. It was nice to have you here, Sean. Always a pleasure to be on guys. Uh, I can't wait until uh, we do. We've, uh, we've got something in the works. Sean will be joining us on our future tremors perspective review coming Ah. very soon. Favorite one of the top favorite. I can't even talk. That's how excited. That's how excited I am. (laughs) I've lost all my words. Because tremors is like definitely in my top five favorite movies. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah. That's got a special place in my heart. Well, be on the lookout for that folks. So until next time, I'm one of your hosts, Nicholas J. Hearn. I'm Jason Contini. And I'm special guest, Sean Murphy. Remember, folks, don't be afraid of the dark. Be afraid of what's in the dark. Congratulations. You've survived this episode of Two Guys Talking Horror. We hope you were entertained and informed by our program. Take what you have learned and pass it on to your family and friends. It may just save their lives someday. Have questions? comments suggestions for a future episode visit our website at twoguystalkinghorror.com click anywhere on the right hand side and fill out our short web form it's the easiest way to interact with the hosts beware of monsters creatures and all things that go bump in the night and keep telling yourself it's only a podcast it's It's only only a It's only a podcast. It's It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's It's only a podcast. Be afraid of what's in the dark. Thanks, man. I'm going to go turn on all the lights in my house now. Thanks. (laughs) 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 Yeah, no, I'm glad. You know what? I was about ready to watch that movie. (laughs) That review, I'll I'll pass. I'm good. Yeah, no kidding. Jesus. That sounds awful. There was another one that I was going to watch, and I kind of wish I would have done that. It was called uh, High Moon. So it's, it's... a Western werewolf film. Huh. Oh, that'd be that, fun. That looked probably just as cheesy, but might have been more entertaining. Right. At least it could have been fun. <laughs> <laughs>